All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. We're coming before you today with another edition of Sabbath Lounge. And this one is uh, what we'd put in the category of Torah apologetics, isn't it, Jake? That's right. And so this is a discussion about Messiah's death. Right, yeah. This is uh, something that I think we've both found to be uh, uh, enlightening when we, when we kind of started understanding Torah and we got we kind of came to a deeper understanding about the purpose and uh and the purpose for messiah's death and that kind of thing yeah that there's there's more to it maybe than than what we had had thought or grown up being told about it yeah yeah, and so we thought this was a an important topic to discuss yep so all right so and as always, we appreciate you taking a minute to uh, join us on this ride. And we don't claim to know all the answers or even, you know, not even remotely, but uh, you're basically just witness, witnessing the public display of our thoughts and our study. Right. And uh, we want you to study and, um, you know, go to the source. Don't take our word or anyone else's word. Just take the Father's word. Right. Before, when you stand before Yah, you're not going to be able to say, well, Sabbath Lounge said. Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Don't do that to us. We won't even say that. <laughs> no, that's right. And uh, But it, we, if you Google us, you'll find us in all kinds of different platforms. And we really appreciate likes, comments, and especially give us some emojis. And what we really want are five shofars. Right. Then we really know you're serious. That's right. That's right. So please leave us five shofars in any social media platform where you receive this content. And shofar, everything's been show good. So show good, show enough. Exactly. And just like the Torah portion of Shemot. Shemot. Right. All Shemot. It's all tied together. No. <laughs> so why did Messiah have to die? The death on the cross. Question. That is uh, the question. Many people ask. Yes. Um, and this is, so what, then we'll go through it's kind of the answers that we hear mm-hmm. and then kind of some of the answers that we have come across and how they may be similar and maybe a little different. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you may have heard it said. That the this. death on the cross was because we couldn't keep the law. So Messiah had to come because we couldn't keep the law. And that it was impossible. Right. It's impossible to keep the law. And then the second thing, you may have heard it said, that it was to pay our sin debt. Messiah died on the cross to pay our sin debt. And then this is one you've always heard. I've never heard this one before. That the law enabled our sins to be rolled forward. So that is what uh, people used to tell um, in the um, in the church I grew up in, that was a common expression that uh, that was the purpose of the law, that it, uh, it never got rid of the sin per se, but it just continued to roll it forward. And uh, in my mind, what I heard was I read the Guinness Book of World Records a lot. Did you ever read that? Yes. And so i'm sure you remember the guy with the big ball of twine yes the world's largest ball of twine and i had just read that and that's all i could picture in my mind (laughs) was this giant ball of twine that represented sin of one's life and by the end of your life you had this you know giant mountain of twine right in pennsylvania we would have went with snowballs snowballs that would have probably been Mm -hmm. the easier way But uh, and that was an attempt to explain why why Torah wasn't perfect in in uh, my the walk before Torah. That's right. kind of what they would say. So maybe some you know you may have heard that as well. Let right. us know. And then uh, you may have heard it said that uh, Messiah had to die to bring in the new covenant. And then go ahead with the last one there. Your and uh, of course, you've heard it said that. Uh, he died to free us from bondage. Right. So then we'll go through uh, uh, and kind of see how this lines up. Okay. All right. But I say unto you the curse of the bitter waters. Right. So this is so explain 
the curse of the bitter waters and why how that relates to uh, why Messiah had to die. Well, um, definitely for me as a kid, I had that question that I often ask. You know, I didn't understand why he had to die. And I remember asking that, and people would give me an answer, kind of like the things we just talked about. They would say that kind of thing, or just he had to die for our sins. Right. And um, But when I started understanding the curse of the bitter waters, you know, basically in the Torah it says that if a husband um, was jealous and he thought that his wife had been cheating on him, he could bring her before the priest and say, she'd been cheating on me. And uh, the priest would go, okay. And um, he would uh, squat down and get some dirt off the floor and mix it with, um, mix it with some water and uh, basically uh, make her drink this concoction that, he, that, they, that is specifically laid out for him to make. And if she was guilty and she drinks it, then her abdomen swelled and her thighs rotted away, and she's clearly guilty. Right. Her, there is a physical manifestation of the guilt. And if she's innocent, nothing happens. Um, if she's guilty, she had to be put to death. If she's innocent, then, um, you know, he lives with the, this marriage the rest of his life where he accused his wife of adultery and she was innocent. So yeah. uh, good luck to him. Right. On any, you know, she got whatever she wanted uh, from then on. Right. So, so this is something that I've never had heard in in church and uh so but you only can get that no but we didn't finish okay okay, go go ahead go so and so that's the story the backstory but how it relates to yeshua is that yeshua is the husband and we're the bride and we are the imperfect bride who has clearly um, you know, we're, we're pregnant at the altar with some other man's baby, basically. <laughs> right. So, and that's us, and uh, we are guilty, absolutely, no doubt about it. And Yeshua, instead of us dying, uh, we deserve death because of our continued adultery, our continued unfaithfulness, our continued sinning. And instead of us dying, he basically takes that cup when he says, I pray that this cup may pass from me. He's to, I believe he's talking about the, the cup of bitter waters that he's about to drink because he's going to take on the curse and be found guilty and his abdomen is going to swell and his thighs are going to rot away while he's on the cross. And right. So he physically manifested and took on that curse so that we could be free. Right. So how does the thigh rot thing come into play? Well, Because you might look at it and say... Well, he doesn't doesn't really line up with what the what the Torah is talking about there, right? Well, it's the it's what happens to your body during crucifixion. You right. basically um, suffocate to death, and your lungs fill up with fluid, and um, and so they they Romans knew just how I mean they knew how to do it perfectly, and they had it timed out. They knew about how many hours most individuals would be up there before they died. And so they, they had it all figured out and the right height and the right adjustments. And so basically to get a breath, you have to stand up um, because your body is, your hands um, are, are above your head or at head level. Um, and uh, to get a breath, you have to somehow lift yourself up and eventually you can't do it anymore. And then that, that's when you die. Right. And anyone who's done wall squats knows that... It doesn't take long for your legs to give out on holding yourself up like that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and it does feel like your thigh is rotting. <laughs> yes, yes. But, uh, um, yeah, and then, of course, they when they pierce his side and the fluid comes out, yes. this kind of ties in as well. But, yeah, I, what as I was saying. Well, cause, uh, because <laughs> the fluid probably collected in his belly. And, uh, and his belly was swollen. Right. And when they, you know, when they cut it, cut into him. Right. So, uh, but that's not something you would tie together if you, if you don't understand the Torah and what that command is about. Mm. Um, and then they also see the curse of the bitter waters of the golden calf. Right. When the people have to drink the water of the golden calf. And then they kill all these people, and you have to go, well, how'd they know who to kill? Well, if their abdomen swelled and their thighs are rotting away, they knew exactly who was guilty. Right. And, yeah, and but you don't put that together 
unless you know this also and you mm -hmm. say because normally you'd say well why did moses just grind up this calf and put it in the water and then yeah, drink it mm -hmm. but oh it, it had turned into that curse of bitter waters mm -hmm. yeah so that is one reason that messiah had to die on the cross uh and uh and that's not something you typically would get at church or you know from N not standard. a church camp right um and then second we have here uh marriage laws so sometimes you'll hear rumblings of marriage compared to messiah but i don't know that i ever hear it in terms of had heard it in terms of why he had to die on the cross and so for the marriage laws uh and we can kind of maybe go back and forth on this one together but um it has to do with uh if you look in uh jeremiah uh chapter three you'll see uh uh, and I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away. This is Masa uh, Yahweh talking and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. So just from that verse, I mean, of course, throughout the rest of scripture, you can tell that Israel is playing the harlot. But even just in this verse, harlot also Judah was playing the harlot also implies Israel was playing the harlot, okay? Uh, and so um, you have this divorce that has happened with Israel, the northern kingdom, the t 10 tribes, right? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. And because there was a divorce, uh, when you look at marriage law in the Torah, the husband cannot remarry whom he has divorced until, uh, and that's why you see Paul talking about um, the, uh, and this gets mixed up too. Uh, this might, <laughs> may be a Torah apologetics later on, but where he talks about the law uh, and the husband being dead to uh, the, the wife being dead to the husband because of the marriage laws and stuff like that. Um, you had to, the only way to break, quote unquote, you know, and that law was to die. Hmm. And then you would be, you know, freed free. from that, that law. It's freed from the bond of the marriage mm -hmm. is what the, the marriage law is what you're free from, not mm -hmm. the Torah. And that's not what it's talking about. Mm -hmm. So once you're, so that is, that has to happen. And over and over again, you see that Yahweh keeps Torah. Okay. That's why he does this curse of the bitter waters thing. Yeah. And that's why he does this marriage laws thing. And he made the rules and he had to follow them. Right. He makes the rules because that's his character, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's not going to break his own character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and we've, we've always heard that, uh, you know, uh, you, you can kind of go a couple different ways with this. Uh, Messiah represents us. Messiah represents Yahweh, right? So both of those parties in the marriage die on the cross. Okay? Yeah. Ipso facto, right? Therefore, the marriage can he can remarry the the one he couldn't remarry before, mm -hmm. which is when Messiah says I've come not but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's who he's going to remarry, is the the ten tribes in Northern Kingdom, and so. Well, and it goes back even to Mount Sinai, where the, basically he marries the people, and while he's marrying the people, the bride is literally whoring and cheating on her husband during the ceremony. I mean, that's about as right. bad as it gets. Right. Yeah, I brought up the divorce, but mm -hmm. I didn't bring up the first marriage, which yeah. was at mm -hmm. Sinai. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so they were married, they got divorced, couldn't remarry again until those parties was had a separation due to death. And also, as a side note, <clears throat> he was very long-suffering. You know, like we talked about, go read the book of Judges. And, uh, I mean, he just, uh, just a very, very patient, patient uh, 
it, yeah, know. it took them a while to divorce them. Yes, it didn't. It's not like it happened. Uh, you know, um, it could have easily happened at Mount Sinai, but yeah. there's a little discussion, and Moses kind of intervenes, and then there's another set set later where Yahuwah kind of talks Moses off the cliff. So, right. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> um, just it is. It, it's easy to look back at these things and go, well, that's not us, but this is us. This Literally. is who we are. This is our roots. We can't get away from it. And so, you know, it's been there all along. And we, unfortunately, we don't have a good track record <clears throat> of doing this bride thing very well. Right. And then uh, the next one we kind of touched on a little bit. Um, we discussed the divorcing Israel situation. Um, but this is the, uh, you hear the argument, we couldn't because we couldn't keep couldn't the law. Couldn't keep it. Right? But, but as we discussed in one of our, uh, our uh, weekly Torah portion videos, um, there's, it's not that you couldn't keep the law, okay? It's because when they, when they were given the law, did they keep it all correctly? No. No. Uh, and were they cursed because when when whenever they failed, did they were they cursed? No, they had things they could do. Right. It's even written in the law to account for your failure. But uh, so if you could fail at keeping the law and still be hmm. still be covered by grace, even in the the Old Testament, we'll say, right? Mm -hmm. Then, uh, then why, you know, what, what's the difference? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point that, that you just brought up. Say that again about, um, if you could fail at the law. Yeah. So if you could fail and still be covered under grace in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. then, then what's the point? Why did he, why did he divorce them? for for not keeping the law why was yeah. it such a big deal that well we couldn't keep the law so messiah had to come and die for us mm -hmm. and I, and what i'm saying is it's not that you couldn't keep the law that messiah had to come and die for you that's partly true mm -hmm. but the real the real crux of the matter is it's not because you didn't you couldn't keep it it's because you refuse to keep it because of rebellion it's yeah. rebellion right mm -hmm. it's the whoring that he divorced them for mm -hmm. not because they messed up sometimes yeah it's because they went a whoring that he divorced them otherwise they'd still be married yeah we'd still yeah. be in this marriage situation this marriage covenant yeah and then nothing is more rebellious than a young bride whoring on her husband I mean, right right that's that's you know there it is rebellion and so that's why he had to die for for our failure to keep law mm -hmm. it's because it was a deliberate failure yeah. to keep law yeah. not just because we didn't keep it because he physically yeah because then you do go down a slippery slope because if you're saying that so you're saying he made us imperfect he made us that way and it's just and then he's going to punish you for it yeah right yeah. um Yes. But then you run into a Romans 9 situation. Yes. yes. Another another yeah. discussion. Yeah. But yeah, but exactly that. Exactly what you said. When did you talk about the last one to pay or send debt? No. So uh, you go ahead if you want. So, well, to pay our send debt. So I'm not sure exactly. Oh, the point we wanted to make here was yes, that also. Right? You've heard it said to pay your sin debt? Sure. Yes, mm -hmm. that's true. Mm -hmm. um, but there's more to it. Right. And and what is sin? I think that's the problem, too, that we ran into is people in my old walk of regular churchianity uh, didn't have a good definition of sin. You know, basically, as a kid, I translated it, hey, don't do bad stuff. Don't do and bad everyone's stuff. definition of bad stuff was different. Some people, it was smoking, cussing, tattoos. Um, wearing your pa pants too low, sagging <laughs> your pants. I mean, you know, how you dress, wearing a hood. You got hit for that one you a know, lot. That's you? right. <laughs> uh -huh. 
wearing a hoodie or something, you know, in a building, wearing your hat in a building. Oh, yeah, don't wear your hat yeah. inside. Mm -hmm. Don't chew gum in church. Right. Uh, you know, people had all kinds of different definitions of what was bad, right. and it was confusing to me. Yeah. But we learned that sin is not following Torah. And right. yes, we don't do that very well. Right. And we make mistakes. So, uh, if you, so if you, if Messiah had to die to pay your sin debt, what, so we, when we said sin was transgressing Torah, Torah, right? Mm -hmm. Now, just, just like you said, one time I brought up, uh, uh, to someone, I saw uh, a friend of mine had put some a video uh, on online that I watched, and it was about uh, he had talked about sin and stuff like that. And so, and I commented, I I just asked, "Well, what is sin?" And the answer is missing the mark. Okay? Oh yeah. And then I said, uh, "What is the mark that we're missing?" And I never heard back, never, never heard a, a thing again. But I think even Christianity would have to admit that this, the mark that you missed was Torah. You didn't keep the law. That's why you need the Messiah, mm -hmm. right? So once you've paid that debt, right, do you go rack up that debt again? Yeah. And what's the debt you would re-rack up? Absolutely not. No, no, not. Don't right. keep on sinning. Right. So, uh, and then I think we have some more on the next yeah. slide here. So, but I say unto you, the new quote, new covenant, quote, unquote, uh, versus renewed covenant. So what is the new covenant? And how has the new covenant been brought in? So we talked about that in one of the earlier slides. Are we really under the new covenant? Has it been brought in yet? Right. So you've heard it said he died on the cross to bring usher in the new covenant, right? Um, so you can't know that if you don't know what the new covenant is, right? Um, and and then everyone will always go to Hebrews chapter eight, right? Uh, but we know that that's all a rehash of of Jeremiah thirty one. So it's. It's a quote from Jeremiah 31. And it talks about the law being in your heart and uh, written on your heart. Right. Um, tablets of stone. Right. Um, now, now this idea of renewed. I, I don't know if I go with renewed. I, I'm, a, I'm a new covenant guy. All right. And you'll hear people out there being renewed covenant people. Right. Um, uh, when I look at the word for new in the renewed covenant thing, or in the new covenant, um, I get I get new out of it. And also, he says, "Not like the old covenant I made with, right? Not like right. the covenant before." So if it's not like the old one, it's a new one, right? It's I don't I don't under I don't get the renewed thing, but you know, it it doesn't really change the discussion no, too much. But... but some people get hung up on that. Um, so first, if you're if you're gonna know if his death brings in the new covenant, you have to know what the new covenant is. So in Hebrews eight, uh, it kind of tells you about that. It tells you a small part of it. Okay, um, first, who's it with? It's the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So if you're not gonna claim citizenship in the house of Israel and the house of Judah, you you can't accept all the rewards for being in the house of Israel, house of Judah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause we have this church age thing, this replacement idea where the church replaced Israel. Um, or that the church is this new entity, but if you're not, you can't, you can't accept all, all the blessing without the responsibility right. is kind of the idea. Um, so the main things with the new covenant. You're talking about Hebrews eight. Yeah, Hebrews eight, uh, where it's talking about the high priest. Um, about verse seven ish, it starts. 
Uh, six is, is even better to start mm -hmm. on because it tells you why the new covenant. Okay. All right. Yeah. And what the new covenant is, right? It's Hebrews six, seven. Uh, Hebrews eight, six. Eight, six. Yeah. Yeah. Hebrews eight, six. But now Yeshua, our high priest, has given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates us, uh, mediates for us a far better covenant with Yahuwah. Right. Based on better promises. Right. So that it's it's not based on new commands, it's better promises. Right? Mm -hmm. And we see that where the old covenant was uh you keep my law uh and there is blessing. If you don't, there's cursing, right? That's kind of the gist of the old covenant. Um in this one he's saying uh <clears throat> he's saying you have a Messiah to, to cover you for that, right? For for not, mm -hmm. as we discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so then he says it's with the house of Israel, house of Judah, right? Uh, the new covenant, because you didn't continue in his covenant, he divorced Israel, right? That's a breaking, that's a, you know, dissembling, a breaking of that covenant. So now you need a, a new covenant. Right. Well, so basically a, a, in a wedding, it was a ketubah. Right. And so you had a, a, a an original agreement and uh, that has all been done away with. And there's a new agreement basically in a new marriage. Right. And so, but has that marriage occurred yet? Well, okay. Look at, <laughs> before we, before we get uh -huh. into that, we will, we will get into that. The, um, Look at Moses on Sinai. He comes down with the the ten words yeah, yeah. on the tablets, and the first one is broken mm -hmm. immediately. So he has to go back and get a new set of mm -hmm. tablets, a new covenant that they make. Now that's one. That's a renewed they, covenant. Yeah, they were. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. They were so important. Uh, Y'all set them once and wrote them down twice. Right. So, uh, and then Hebrews 8, verse 10, the covenant I make with the house of Israel in those days says, yeah, I will put my laws. Now, it's written in Jeremiah, okay? Now, this is Hebrews rehashing it, but it's a quote from Jeremiah. What were the laws in Jeremiah's day? It was the Torah. Torah. And if you look at the word in Jeremiah, the word is Torah, okay? I will put my Torah in their heart and in their mind and write them in their hearts. Uh, and, uh, they, and I will be to them an Elohim and they shall be to me a people. Now, every time he makes a covenant, he says, I will be your Elohim. Mm -hmm. You will be my people. Okay. Yeah. And they basically would repeat something like, yes, we will. Right. Easily. And that goes back to the ketubah, mm -hmm. the, the marriage agreement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but then it says this funny thing here. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, No, Yah, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. So if I get there and I go, do all know Yah? No. Or do you still proselytize, right? Mm -hmm. but you don't proselytize when everyone knows him. You proselytize when not everyone knows him. But yeah. there will be a time when everyone knows him. When is that? At the end, every knee will bow. It's the, at the second coming, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so people will hear that and they'll go, well, so you don't think the second, the new covenant starts until he returns. Well, hang on. I didn't, let's, let's keep reading. Um, let's see. And then in verse 13, he says, in saying a new covenant, he has made the first old. Now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away. Now, was Hebrews written before or after the death and resurrection of Messiah? After. After. And yet, at this point, the new covenant hasn't come in. It's coming in, is the wording. The old is waxing old. Mm. The new is coming in. And we see him do this out-of-time discussion of things in the future as if they are, mm. right? Often. And I think that's what he's doing here. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's this 
it's progressing towards coming in is my understanding of it. That's how I see it. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of evidence to that. But, and again, that's only one small part of the covenant. There's, if you look through the prophets, there's promise after promise after promise that has not been fulfilled yet. Right. right. So, did Messiah die to bring in the new covenant? Yes, he did. But, does that mean the new covenant is in its fullness? No, it doesn't mean that. And I think... I think there's plenty of evidence for that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So talk on this next one here. Well, and you also, you know, we talked earlier about uh, this concept of rolling the sins forward. Um, it, you know, the, it was taught that the Old Testament law never really dealt with sin. It just pushed it forward like a debt that would one have, one day have to be paid by the Messiah. So that's basically, it's very similar to kind of what I, what I heard growing up is that... Um, the Messiah was the only one that could really take it away. Right. And so are we saying that the, you have heard it said, is that a correct understanding that this sin debt kind of rolls forward and then Messiah pays it eventually? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's some truth in that, but, but I think what we're saying is when you dis discover these truths that we're talking about, it's so much more than this. And then and, and, um, growing up, it was all about this one thing is why he had to die. But there's so much more to it than just this one thing. Right. And so clearly, you know, the um, he does say Messiah is the perfect sacrifice for sin, right. one and for all. Right. And, um, and and all the sacrifices, you know, they they point to him. Right. And it, it kind of makes sense, you know, you know, especially Passover and uh, all the references there that um, that he that he does pay that ultimate price for right. sin because we were supposed we, we were guilty. Yeah. Of not following Torah and we deserve death and he took on death for us. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, that one seems seems pretty right to me, especially <clears throat> um, when you see after Messiah's death, he and his resurrection. What's the first thing he does? He goes and Back. gets the captives, mm -hmm. right? And and there's some people that were dead that now they're alive, and yeah, they're out and about. And, and you kind of like, see what? this in in Samuel. The book of Samuel with the witch of Endor mm -hmm. and how it describes her summoning Samuel after he's dead, right? Mm -hmm. He he comes up from inside the earth as mm -hmm. the way it describes it. Yeah. You know, so he's not he's not up in heaven, you know. Um but then again, you know, there's some argument whether that really he, was he Samuel did, or whether have, it wasn't, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. Didn't have wings and was on the cloud. Right. With a halo. But tie that with what we hear about Messiah's first acts when he is resurrected, he goes into the earth to to free the captives. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so in your face. No, so, <laughs> so that's kind of that. And then we have uh, free us from bondage. Bondage from what? Now, the you've heard it said thing is the bondage of the law, right? Mm -hmm. But what is it in truth? It's uh, the burden of sin, the bondage of sin. So um, the curse of the sin, because uh, sin has consequences. And, uh, the, you know, the Torah is full of stories of people who sinned and had to live with the consequence. Right. And it didn't mean Whether they, they're forgiven or not. That's right. And it didn't always mean they lost their salvation. Uh, but, you know, prime example is David. And um, he had to live with the consequences of his sin. And Yah even said, hey, this is going to happen. This is going to happen because you did this. Mm -hmm. And he knew it and he knew he was guilty and he had to live with it. Right. But the thing you see from David is a repentant heart. Yeah. yeah. So, and even the repentant heart didn't, didn't make everything, you know, bring everything back into to normal. Right. Yeah. And so speaking on the burden, you know, it makes sense. You know, if anyone argues, if you've heard these arguments about 
Uh, you're going into bondage because of your following this Torah stuff. Great example is Moses. And so how would it make sense to explain, hey, you know, clearly they're in captivity. They are slaves. They are under bondage. When they're in Egypt, right. And he's in Egypt and they set them free to put them under the law. Just let that set in for a minute. If that's true, then how, how do you logically explain that whole scenario in that lens? It just, it right, he brought them out of bondage sense. only to take them to Sinai and put them under bondage. Yes. yes. Right. It makes, it it doesn't makes make sense. sense. But, but people argue like that. And, and, and I think that, you know, to me in Torah apologetics, the art of Torah apologetics is sometimes being willing to lead someone to a point like that and walk, walk away, away from that conversation and, and make them think. Uh, let let that stew and let them f force them to think about it. And some people, if they're truly seeking, they will think about those things and it will kind of bug them. And, um, and maybe you can have another conversation later. And if they're not seeking, they may never really think about it. And there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, I think... I think but pray about it. Yeah, I think a key to being a seeker is is not being able to deal with contradiction in scripture yeah i mean yeah. if if you're okay with contradiction in, in scripture you're gonna miss a whole lot yeah. because yeah. there shouldn't be mm -hmm. and a lot of times that contradiction is explained well it was different back then it was different you know with this and that and you know you, you kind of have to do mental gymnastics sometimes to try to explain those things right you have to go outside of scripture to to define how it's changed yeah when really we should let scripture define scripture mm -hmm. right it's it's scripture that defines love when you see love in scripture you have to find where it's defined when you see sin described in in scripture you have to go to scripture to find out what mm -hmm. sin means you can't just go to webster mm -hmm. he he's not the writer and then uh, additionally, good point on the Moses bringing them out of Egypt, out of bondage, and putting them back under bondage. Um, but then, if, if you're thinking that the law was the bondage, you have to deal with verses like 1 John 5, uh, 2 and 3. By this we know we love the children of Elohim, when we love Elohim and keep his commandments. For this is the love of Elohim, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. That word yeah, grievous that is again. also burdensome. For this is the love of Elohim. No, first John one. Oh, uh first John five, five, two and three. Right? And his commandments are not grievous. They're not burdensome. They're not mm -hmm. a burden. Okay. Um so you have to deal with verses like that. You have to deal with verses like uh Psalm one nineteen, where he's flat out tells you the law is freedom. You know, uh, when there's a scripture that says the law is perfect. Right. So um, sweeter than honey. I mean, just scripture go is good. on and on and on about how amazing it is. Right. But then I hear, uh, I, re I recently heard an interesting uh, little conundrum about how, so it, it was broken down like this for me. Well, so old covenant, new covenant, okay? Law bad, spirit good, okay? And I don't see anywhere in scripture where law is bad, where the law is bad. I see time and again, the law is good if you use it lawfully, right? Which is the main problem that Paul and Messiah yeah. are dealing yeah. with. It's still well, not being used lawfully. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Just look at context and body of evidence. If you were presenting this in a court case, you would present tons of longitudinal data that talks about the law being good right. and about the blessings that come with following the law versus the curses that fall by following sin. And then we take one person 
whom most most people don't understand because as you say they haven't read what paul read and they don't understand what paul understood right and they take um this one person five percent a mountain <laughs> of evidence that says something different and and paul himself is not saying what they think he's saying right they twist it to mm -hmm. say opposite of the other 95 percent yeah yeah just like when we did galatians we talked about how galatians was about uh, the life under the spirit uh, and the life in the flesh right and that was that was a piece a big piece of galatians and and um yeah so and but it's very easy to misunderstand paul and there's there's more to paul than uh, than what i was originally told in my sunday school class right uh so very complicated so were we freed by messiah's death on the cross from the bondage of the law not the bondage of law but the burden of sin and it's not and it's our sin right. that um that we're free from right but that does not mean just like paul said that we can just keep doing whatever right so it's because we broke the law that we were under the law yeah right you're under the curse that the law brings for breaking so then this is kind of the second part to this does his death in sacrifices as we continue our discussion on death on the cross does his death in the sacrifices well you may have heard it said what type of sacrifice was he one sacrifice for all he was all of the sacrifices right no those two things may seem like the same thing but we'll show you how they're different this one sacrifice for all uh that is all time right so that that's what you've heard said he was the sacrifice there's no no more need for sacrifice okay and uh, you research this a little bit and you'll see five different types of sacrifice that are mentioned uh, there's the burnt offering the grain offering the peace offering the sin offering and the guilt offering so five right. types of sacrifices right and each one of these yes these are all the sacrifices right um messiah is all of these sacrifices um so this is kind of a half right kind of situation because he is a burnt offering right when you burn do a burnt offering it's it's so that the the smoke right rises to messiah or rises to Yahweh, okay? Just as Messiah died on the cross and he was raised again, right? And it represents burning away all of the iniquity, right. all of the the fat and the excess and getting down to the most important stuff, getting rid of all the stuff you don't need, basically. Yeah, the impurities. Mm -hmm. uh, the grain offering. Uh, he's a grain offering because he is the bread of life, right? Absolutely. The uh, uh, life bread man. Mm -hmm. Is that bread, what Bread name? man of Bread life. man of life. That's it. Mm -hmm. He's a peace offering. We have this peace in the relationship between us and Yah because of the bridge that is Messiah. He's uh, the prince of peace. Right. And uh, because what he does, he enables us to, to have peace and communion with him. Right. The sin offering we discussed, right? He is a sin offering. Guilt offering, of course, we have guilt from our sin, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So, and we're not talking about the good old Catholic guilt. <laughs> well, I guess, good old. I guess uh, the same. Uh, the, anyway, guilt is guilt, I guess. But <laughs> all right. So, five different types of sacrifice. If you've never looked at that, check it out. So, um, he was a sacrifice for sin. Uh, so, in this part. But I say to you, he was a sacrifice for sin. First Peter three eighteen. This is true because basically Messiah suffered for our sins once. He was an innocent person, but he suffered for guilty people so that he could bring you to God. His body was put to death, but he was brought to life through his spirit. Right. So this is just an example of paying your sin debt. Uh, so that is correct.
but is it complete? So if he was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, then why does Paul offer sacrifice when in Acts 21 when he does the Nazarite vow? Yeah, Jake, that's a good point. I hadn't thought much about that, but um, it, is, it is really interesting because clearly Paul comes along and is Yeshua still around? Mm, I think he, he's still around. I think but death and resurrection he, had yes, already happened. He wasn't in his physical form anymore walking around right? Uh, at this point. And so why would Paul continue to do such things? And you know what's funny is he tells you why he's doing it, right? The whole purpose of him even doing the Nazarite vow, this is something I had never heard before, um, because you don't know what a Nazarite vow is if you don't know Torah, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, is they came to him and said, Paul, these guys are saying that you don't keep the law, the Torah. And they go, prove that you do, and they, you want teaching against it by taking this Nazarite vow like these other guys are doing. You're okay. Mm -hmm. So by he even tells them, I'm proving to you that I'm not saying don't keep Torah by going and doing this Nazarite mm -hmm. vow. And then... It, at the end of that is an offering yeah which he does and i think most christianity understands that sacrificing continued until the temple was destroyed and mm -hmm. that was much longer after 70 80 right uh and then uh uh go ahead and do a second part there. so um so so research said about um, paul in x21 and then the offerings and sacrifices in the millennial reign in Ezekiel 45 through 46. So what does that mean, Jake? There's going to be sacrifices later on? I know. What, am I crazy? No. Uh, no, he is correct. So <laughs> if you go read Ezekiel 45, 46, it's talking about the millennial reign. Now, this, now I've heard it said that... Uh, uh, well, this is this is brought in at the tribulation, and and it's brought in in order to win over the Jews. Okay. Now you hear this argument a lot with uh, Paul, also. Like, oh well, he was only like Acts twenty one. He was only doing that because the Jews wouldn't accept him if he wasn't a lawkeeper. Okay. Not to mention he was. He was uh, the apostle to the Gentiles, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone forgets that part. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, okay, so yes, we see him uh, in Ezekiel, right? These, these sacrifices continue. It's the mm -hmm. Levitical system perfected. It's, mm -hmm. it's the Levitical system properly done. But it goes on for years. It's not, it, it continues on. Mm -hmm. You know, year after year, this will happen. It never gives an end to it. And it says that all nations will come up. It doesn't say the Jews will come up. There's no scriptural basis for just the Jews did it. That would yeah. make you that would make you a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it just to win over the Jews, because that word hypocrite means play actor, right? Paul, or in this case, Messiah, when he returns and is doing this, would be acting a part in order to convince right. you other otherwise right that's a good point so so do a word study on hypocrite and and you'll find that and then so it continues it's all nations come up and then jeremiah thirty three eighteen. nor shall the priests the levites lack a man to offer burnt offering before me to kindle grain offerings and sacrifice continually so I'm assuming this sacrifice continually, that means for a long time. I don't know. What do you think? It seems like it's ongoing. Yes. So this is like also a millennial reign uh, uh, situation here in Jeremiah. So whereas, oh, uh, sacrifices are over because Messiah died on the cross, right? The sacrifice of Messiah on the cross was meant to end the sacrifices completely false uh otherwise these wouldn't happen right. right no so when we say well uh the law was hung on the cross with messiah 
that would mean it's gone and over. Why do we see it coming back? And how can something that Messiah has put to death come back to life? Yeah. I don't understand that either. Yeah, that's true. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight onto why Messiah had to die. I mean, I know we covered a whole lot of ground there. Yeah, and kind of a deep, uh, big topic. Yeah, but all really neat stuff. Yeah, and it's, uh, and once again, we don't claim to have all the answers, to have a corner on the truth. We're just a couple of guys studying, and we put it out here publicly for you to see. So Correct. We want you to study, most importantly, to search the scriptures and to think for yourselves. And uh, and we pray that uh, the people in our audience are people, free-thinking people who uh, meditate on Yah's word and um, and put it into practice in their life. And we thank you for taking a, a listen to Sabbath Lounge. We'd ask that you check us out on multiple platforms. If you just Google Sabbath Lounge, you'll find more information about us, different topics and things that we've done from TikTok to YouTube to podcast and uh, guests that we've interviewed. And uh, we really would appreciate if you would give us... Jake, what are we asking them to give us? Uh, Give us five shofars in the comments there and uh, uh, give us some comments. uh, Let us know if this is the kind of content you like. Let us know if it uh, means anything to you and if you have questions about it any of that uh so like subscribe the shofars the bells the whistles the comments yes <laughs> that's all we're that's all and, we ask <laughs> and we do appreciate the people that have uh given us likes and comments and also don't forget to rate us on platforms rate us wherever you listen to us um, if there's a rating available like in uh, even in facebook and spotify and Apple Podcasts, almost most of the podcast players will have a five-star rating. All of those things help yeah. us, and we so appreciate it. So just give us the five-star. Don't lie, but, you know. Yeah, if it... yeah. <laughs> and once again, we just we, we pray that all glory and honor goes to the Father through this, and um, and uh, just ask that you continue to, to seek His face on this. And uh, Jake, anything else you have to say? No, I think, uh, I think we covered pretty much everything there. Everything. <laughs> Everything is We're done. Drop done. the mic and walk away. That's right. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt and, and Jake. Signing off.